you're losing players and you're losing good players, but at a position that we've been known to create and find and develop. If there is a position on this team that, uh, you know, that Zimmer and Spielman can figure out, I think that's a defensive backfield. A guy who's an undrafted player, they don't give up that fight. That's what they know. That's their life, right? That's their experience in the NFL. Hey everybody, this is Jay Nelson from the Minnesota Vikings and the Vikings Entertainment Network. Jumping in here with the Minnesota Vikings podcast once again, and we're bringing back Pete Bursich here this week. You know that things out there are a little funky right now, and we're just trying to find a way to uh, give everybody a little bit of a welcome distraction. So we figured what better way to do that than through Vikings free agency and free agency throughout the rest of the NFL. There's been a whole lot of moves that have been going on so far, and, and I guess we're going to throw this out here on the front end that NFL policy currently prohibits teams from making the official announcements regarding roster moves just because of logistics. So as the time this recording, everything we're going to talk about comes from multiple reports around the league and social media, as well as some of them are finalized at this point. So Pete, let's dive into what we've, what we've been doing here so far. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that's been happening, a lot of moves that have been made. How do you feel the Kirk Cousins signing for another two-year extension beyond? So he's at 2022 currently for his contract. What do you think that signals to the players on the roster and uh, moving forward for this team? Well, I mean, I think what it, what it definitely signals is that the the team has faith in in Kirk Cousins, and I think he was appropriately, you know, rewarded and and uh, extended as he's really a handful of viable options. I mean, you you look at the league and you think, you know, about half of the teams in the NFL, you know, maybe twenty teams in the NFL are happy with their quarterback position. You look at Cousins' numbers and how well he did last year. There's no question that he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league and and he's going to get paid as such. So you look at Super Bowl, you look at the teams, you look at the teams in the playoffs. You know, Kirk Cousins is good enough to get this franchise to a Super Bowl. I think Kirk Cousins has that type of talent and ability. He's a better quarterback than Garoppolo. Uh, Garoppolo got his team there. So solidifying that piece is is very, very important. I think the one place or another spot has been – a lot of turnover in the coaching ranks, the offensive system. So he's going to get a second year with Kubiak and really be able to learn that system even more. So I'm excited to see what that second year in a system and having coached before, it does make a big difference when you get your second season or, you know, you're into your second season uh, under that same regime. So on top of that, what does that signal to the coaches? The fact that you've got Cousins coming back, Sean Mannion re-signed as well, uh, coming back here, and then Browning is currently also under contract. The consistency that you have in that quarterback room, what does that signal to the coaches and the offense, I guess, moving forward for this season? Well, I, you know, the coaches all have a say, you know, uh, even position coaches. They may not have final say, uh, but they know what they have, right? Kirk Cousins has been in this league for quite some time. Uh, they know what he does well. They know what he doesn't do well. Um, and I expect them to, de- you know, develop uh, cousins on the move, uh, keeping them on the move, keeping them outside, using play action to take shots deep, uh, keep to keep them protected, those kinds of things. It gives them some stability. And then what you can do is then build around, right? You can build around the quarterback, find the type of lineman that you want, the type of receivers that you want, because you know who's going to be throwing the football and taking snaps under center for the next three or four seasons. So it's always nice to have a position taken care of, so to speak, and knowing what you're going to get. And so they have that now. They have that with Cousins. So they need to just find 
the appropriate pieces to put around uh, Dalvin Cook is probably most is probably the second most important piece of this offense. But um, having Cousins around and knowing what he's going to be doing and what he's capable of is is a huge. And I think it's a big opportunity going into the draft because I think you'll have a better idea of what type of receiver, what type of lineman, what type of other players you want to bring into this offense. And the thing with that is that most people argue the most important position in the NFL, right? I mean, it's everything starts at the quarterback position. So to have somebody like him with that kind of stability and the fact that he's coming back working with a guy like Kubiak where he's not having to learn another offense. We kind of talked about this in, in a previous episode with you that having a guy like him with Kubiak and the other guys around him has got to make him a little bit more comfortable and be able to hopefully take those offenses and those pieces to the next step. Yeah, no question. It's it's the hardest position in sports, I think, to play. And we go back to what we said earlier. All the kids and all the people, you know, all the imagine all the kids in this country that had the opportunity to play quarterback and do play quarterback, and you still can't find 32 good ones at the highest level. You know what I mean? So um, it is, it's an unbelievably difficult position to play. And I think it's that way because not only do you have to have an unbelievable amount of talent, but you also have an unbelievable you know, amount of character. And you look at Patrick Mahomes and what he did in this playoff run into the Super Bowl. Uh, the Chiefs were down in every single one of those games. And he was able to remain calm and bring that team back. And so that just tells you that your personality, your work ethic, and your leadership is every bit as important as your physical ability. And so those guys are rare in and of themselves. So you need a rare athlete with rare leadership skills. That's why there's not that many great quarterbacks in the NFL anymore. But Cousins has that possibility. He's on the cusp, and I like the way he stepped up and became more of a leader, more vocal uh, toward the end of the season. And again, that having the same coordinator, knowing what's going on, is going to give him even more confidence. So I hope his leadership role, uh, his ability to calm an offense, his ability to motivate an offense continues to increase. Yeah, and to kind of get back to your point there just a, a second, how many former quarterbacks are now linebackers or safeties or whatever where it was like they were the best athlete at their position in school and it's just like, all right, you're a good athlete, you can throw a ball, you can scramble, go play quarterback, and then when they get to the next level, it's like, all right, you were a quarterback, but now we're going to put you in a position we think you actually should play at this point. I love the way you said that because you know you look at defensive backs and defensive backs are just wide receivers who can't catch. Because who grows up wanting to be a defensive back, right? They all want to be wide receivers, and they realize at some level, yeah, their hands aren't that great. So they go on the other side of the ball and play defense, you know. Um, but, yeah, that's it's, it's such a rarity now to find the type of athlete, the type of intelligence and type of leadership you need for that position. Uh, and with the way the league protects quarterbacks now, um, you know, guys are playing into their 40s. They're around longer. So – you know, it gives Cousins an opportunity to play for a long, long, long time. Yeah, it, even, you know, big, slow guys like me as a kid, you wanted to play quarterback just because you want to get the ball in your hand or you're like, hey, I'm a receiver. No, you're not. You're you're big, you're slow. You're playing line, kid. And it's just like, all right, this is, this is what we're going to do. That's kind of the beauty of this game. It's kind of the beauty of football. More so than in any other sport, everybody has a role, right? And everybody has a specific role, a specific thing that they're good at. But then you got to bring that all together and then operate as a unit, operate as a group. And the quarterback's the guy. He's the guy that touches the ball on every single play. He's the guy that brings that group together. So, again, that points to the leadership. But you're right. You get typecasted as a kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? And sometimes it's hard, you know, it's hard to break that mold. You know, honestly, I think re-signing Kirk is is a is a 
a great signal here. I know there's been some discussion saying it, it really just signals to the fans that we're as a organization, not starting over with this whole thing. We're just, we're trying to reload at some of these positions. And I think given the people that they've extended out over the last couple of years and trying to solidify kind of a core and rewarding guys who have really stepped up, whether it's offense or defense, it's saying, these are our guys we trust the most to get stuff done and to follow what we're trying to do. And they're going to be our leaders on this team. And I think Kirk has definitely been that guy. It starts with him. But I think if you look and take a step back and look at the big picture on all the free agency moves, meaning the guys that they've chosen to keep, guys that they've chosen to sign, and then guys that they've chosen to let go, the character side of it is huge. And leadership side of it's huge. Um, and, you know, leadership is almost a uh, fringe benefit these days because, at, you know, the athletic requirements to play this game keep going up, up, and up. And uh, But I like the way and I like the guys like CJ Ham that they've kept around guys who are, you know, knows the grindstone, no BS. They just work um, keeping those guys around and keeping them part of the core of the team um, is, is big. I think, and I think it's underrated because when things don't go well and they at some time won't go well, there's always a bump, you know, bumpy spot in the road. Uh, you need to be able to count on those guys and the ones that you can't count on, you know, you need to move on. And on top of that, you know, we also solidified in another area with our, our special teams with Colquitt and Bailey resigning for another three-year contract. So between that entire unit with Austin Cutting as well, all three of them now are signed through three years. I, I'm just looking at that exactly what you're talking about. Guys that have proven that they can get it done in crunch time that you don't have to worry about. And I think those guys, along with guys like CJ Ham, are definitely players that we can kind of lean on in those positions and hopefully have some stability in areas where people have been nervous in the past. Looking at our kicking situation going into the Buffalo game in the preseason when everything was still up in the air and the changes that were made, it's, yeah, it's nice to have that battery uh, together. Cole Quaid, I think, had one touchback all last year. You know, so the kicking game in that respect, you know, they did a they did a wonderful job all throughout the season and have Bailey back, his consistency, um, you know, inconsistency is important because as an offensive coordinator and a head coach, you know exactly where you need to be on the field before you can attempt the field goal. Um, that helps make a lot of decisions. And when you have a guy who can hit the 58-yarder 50% of the time or 40, you know, I mean, it just – it makes um, – it gives him a level of comfort. And so I think having that battery back, so, you know, that's done. Put that aside. I mean, those guys still have to work and get better, but it's not it's not a worry um, going into the season. So now to to shift just a little bit and go from what we did sign to to moves that we have made. Stefan Diggs being traded to Buffalo for a host of picks is official, and you know that is one of those situations that for a while now there's been a lot of stuff brewing under the surface and even publicly. With that being said, you know the absence of a guy like Stefan Diggs, given that he was such a big part of this offense or at least an explosive part of this offense, you know, how much of a, a change is this going to be potentially for guys like Kirk and Thielen? It won't affect Thielen as much. I think his role is pretty solid. Um, for, for Diggs, the big thing, and if you look at his performance from a purely, you know, not none of the off field stuff, just the numbers, uh, two seasons ago, he averaged around 10 yards per reception last year. It was around 17. That's seven yard jump was the biggest jump of any receiver in the NFL last year. So he became an explosive threat. He became the the explosive threat uh, of this offense, especially uh, when Thielen was injured. 
I think he wanted a different role. However, I think his his major gripe, or the only gripe that I would give any credence to, would be you know getting the ball more often. And Kirk uh, went in trouble throwing him some fifty fifty balls and just letting him come down with them. Um, you know, if a guy's unhappy and you know needs needs to move, you got to let him go. You know, you don't want to keep a guy around who's not happy because you're just going to get more problems down the, you know, down the road. And it's just too bad that it's those kinds of things that would send a guy from a team because you would hope it would be the performance on the field, right, would be the determining factor as to whether or not a guy's going to stay or a guy's going to go. But, um, you know, what makes you laugh makes you cry. He's going to go to Buffalo. You know, Buffalo – um, and I forget the jump, forget the receiver's name, but they had a guy catch 70 passes last year. So he's going to join that team. John and, Brown. Yeah. And he's, you know, is he going to be getting 70? His is, you know, our 70 passes going to come his way. I think, again, his best role in the NFL is going to be as an explosive wide receiver. So we'll see if he keeps quiet or starts barking up toward the end of the season. But, you know, good luck. All right. So. One last thing here. So I know with the digs move and everything, it, it, it's it's a fairly sizable thing, and, and you're getting a, a first, a fifth, a sixth, and then a fourth-round pick in 2021 for him. Comparing that with with everything that had happened with DeAndre Hopkins and the, and the David Johnson trade, I think fans should feel really pretty dang good about what they got in return for a guy like him. Yeah, he's a top-tier talent at, at wide receiver at the same point. For a team that's got some other outstanding needs as well, I think you can definitely find talent not only still in free agency, but in the upcoming draft, especially one that's as deep as it is at receiver. You know, absolutely. I mean, I think the receiver position, too, you don't necessarily have to get that top receiver or get that guy in the first round. I mean, I think we've seen that kind of work both ways. Like a guy like a Percy Harvin, a first-round talent, a guy who's played real well, Randy Moss. But then we've also seen kind of the other side of that position in the first round. It's not a, it's not the easiest position, you know, to draft. So you have a lot of opportunities, right? Diggs was, don't forget, Diggs was a fifth-rounder. Thielen was a free agent, you know. Uh, you know, so you, you, you have opportunities every pick, and that's why it's nice to see that number of, you know, that number of picks come through. Uh, but it can also address a lot of other needs. And we have to do on the offensive line what we've done on the defensive line to see guys like Afadi Adenabo, Jaleel Johnson, you know, some of these guys that we've drafted along the way develop and become good players. So it gives the Vikings a chance to address a lot of depth at certain positions and then hopefully two or three or four starters down the road. So it's a smart move for the franchise. Um, and again, it's if you look at it from a pure n- talent and numbers per se standpoint it was a great deal but it was also a great deal because you had a guy who did not he no longer wanted to be there so if you don't want to be there then you know give him his wish and uh benefit from it so i think it's it's a it's a win-win and i think that's the hardest thing too is one for lack of a better term it's it's a dissolved marriage we're like no you know both sides need to move on at this point it's hard because you remember the good times i mean he was the, the face of the Minneapolis miracle and what that meant to this franchise, especially in recent history, he was the guy with a lot of jerseys and everybody else wanting. And you always saw the smile on his face pregame playing catch with kids. Like there were a lot of things that were really good about having him on this roster at the same point. When it gets to the point where, like you just said, 
something like that needs to happen. Something needs to change. And, and it, he wants out and, and we're looking at it going, okay, what can we get? I think what we got in return for Stefan Diggs was probably one of the best scenarios possible that you could have had. Most guys yeah. play until they you get kicked out, until no one wants you anymore. You know, and if you don't want to be somewhere, then usually you you are granted that wish. Good luck if someone else decides to you know sign you. But in the, with Diggs, yes, he's you know he's that talented to not want to wait for him to go to free agency. You know, if you just got straight up cut, you know, and all those kinds of things to offer and give up that much. Yeah, the Vikings made I think the right move. Uh, with what they did. So shifting now from the offensive side to the defensive side that you were definitely more accustomed to from before. I mean, as a player, as a coach, and and now as kind of the the voice of the rubes, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, you know, being the color analyst, this defense is drastically going to look different when it comes to some of the normal starters that we would have seen in the past. You know, I'm going to run through a, a little bit of a list here of, of some of the different moves that as of now have been reported. So the, the reports are that defensive lineman Stephen Weatherly is going to sign a two-year deal with the Carolina Panthers. Cornerback Trey Waynes and, and Nickel McKenzie Alexander are reportedly signing with the Cincinnati Bengals. Defensive tackle Linval Joseph is going to sign a two-year deal with the L.A. Chargers. Safety J. Ron Curse is signed with the Detroit Lions. And then it sounds like Andrew Sandejo reportedly is going to be signing with the Cleveland Browns. With that being said, I mean, those are some fairly big names that people have known, especially some of those from the 2016 draft class. When you have that kind of a turnover on defense, as a player looking around in the locker room, when whenever this thing gets resolved and we actually get back to playing football, what are they going to be thinking about or what are they going to be noticing when they walk in the door and there's all of these fresh faces in the locker room with them? Well, you're going to have fresh faces in the defensive backfield and the coaching staff as well, right? They're going to hear a new voice. So there's going to be there's going to be new for you know new spots or new roles for you know for really everybody. Defensively, Linval Joseph is a big impact because he impacts the two guys that stand right behind him, right? And so that's huge. Uh, Anthony Barr, Eric Kendricks, those guys were able to do and play the way that they do uh, because of Linval Joseph. But the you know to bring in a guy like Michael Pierce who is exactly that run-stuffing type of nose tackle that you need. Uh, hopefully that there won't be any fall-off. In fact, there should be improvement, uh, could be improvement in that position in that defensive front in that in the middle of that defense. You know, if that's the case, then you're looking at, you know, maybe an Everson Griffin that you have to find a guy. Fadia Denebo, I think, has done a wonderful job. So I think that front seven is going to remain pretty well intact. Now, behind that, uh, that's where, you know, that's where a lot of questions are. I think Trey Wayne's, uh, moving and he, you know, I think he had no choice. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals stepped up and paid him a ton of money. Um, and I don't think yeah. the Vikings are in a position to do that. Um, losing Mackenzie Alexander, um, you know, you lose a good talent. Um, I think, um, you know, Mackenzie needed to communicate better and I think his, some of those things on the field, things got have gotten in the way uh, with his development. A guy like Trey Waynes, I think his athleticism uh, is going to be tough. Um, Mike Hughes is definitely that kind of a guy. Mike Hughes can definitely do those kinds of things. You know, Xavier Rhodes, will he be back? We don't know yet. But yeah, you are going to see some new faces in that defensive backfield. But you take a look, you think about the quality of players that we're losing. 
those guys were all drafted or were here when Zimmer got here. Uh, and they all got better under his coaching. So I don't have any concern at all about this coaching staff, um, this personnel department, bringing in guys and turning him into good defensive backs. Now, we might be a little young going into the season, uh, but that's okay. Uh, but we can develop talent on the back end just like we can develop talent at defensive line. We've done that. So bring it on. You know, Let's get some fresh blood in here. Let's get some new guys in here. Um, so, yeah, there are going to be some new names. But you have a guy like Harrison Smith, you know, Anthony Harris. We'll see what they do with him. But you're going to have the safety position, which is very important because they do – a lot of the redirecting and directing of traffic. If you have those two voices back there, um, you know, that's a big head start. And so Mike Hughes for sure will be a guy next year that'll be back. And you may have to find one or two new defensive backs. I think this, uh, this franchise, and, and like I said, they can develop and find that kind of talent. So what does that mean? Big picture, maybe a learning curve as the season goes on, you know, we'll see. And I think a lot of that, too, depends on what the timetable is for this team actually getting back in the building, too. Like, with everything else going on, it's almost kind of like a, a new coach walking in the door where you just want as much time as possible to try to get some people up to speed that are new on your roster. You're going to be leaning on guys like Jalen Holmes and Holton Hill to really take that next step, you know, as, as well as Hughes, and just say, like, you guys aren't the new guys anymore in between you guys and Harrison and even having guys like Barr and Kendricks being able to direct traffic at least to get them in position, it's then on them to actually make the plays and, and keep moving on that secondary and, and making sure that we try not to have any kind of a drop-off or lack of ability with those guys jumping back there as the starters at this point. And, and who knows, you know, if with all the, the draft capital we have at this point, I think we've got, what, 12 picks and five of them in the first three rounds currently. I mean, as deep as this is in, in secondary and our, our needs at potentially at secondary, O-line, wide receiver, et cetera, I think you could definitely see a couple of those picks being used in a position like this. And, and there might be a guy who walks in the door who, who just gets it and jumps on it right away. That'd be what everyone's hoping or best case scenario, right? You know, you look at the the circumstances, obviously we're on Skype. We all know what's going on out there. Yep. The, the, the heavy learning doesn't really come into play until camp starts. I mean, you have your OTAs and you have, you know, some of those dates where you, you start, but for a young player, the heavy learning starts when training camp starts. So that's a few months down the road. So loss of meeting time, any type of things that may occur uh, in the June, let's say the June landscape. I, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Um, but when you know, it's when camp starts, it's when you start getting into end of July and into August that those guys have, that's when the learning really, really begins. So, you know, I, I don't think teams with younger players are going to be at that that huge of a disadvantage. And then again, but doesn't remember, we're veteran in a lot of key spots at quarterback, right? You know, at safety, you're still going to have Harrison Smith around. Your D-line is still going to be, you know, you're not looking to start a ton of rookies on the defensive line, nor at linebackers. So um, you have a couple of spots and then like corner. The less you have to think, the position you play, the less you have to think at that position, the more you depend on physical skill. The left, you know, the tackles, they block the defensive ends 90% of the time. It's not that it's mentally, it's not that tough corner. Yeah. Being smart helps you, but you're basically playing the same kind of position or, you know, same techniques, regardless of what goes on. Um, because there's less mental stress, there's a lot more physical stress. So I think at the corner spot, 
not at the nickel. The nickel, I think, requires a lot more thinking. So you can, you know, that that development is important there. But if you're playing just corner, uh, physical ability is huge, and they'll be able to find that in the draft. I guess touching on what you just brought up as well, you you brought up the defensive lineman and, and defensive tackle look here. I mean, signing a guy like Michael Pierce now that you know Linval is going to be leaving. I think there's there's actually a, an argument that can be made here that that was actually an, an upgrade for what we were looking for. I mean, he's 27 years old. He's six foot tall. About 340 is the is the the report. I mean, that is a load in the middle. That is going to be doing the run stuffing blocks and eating up those those running plays coming at you. And and you know, to me, hearing those numbers and and seeing what I've seen of him so far, there's two names that jump out at me. And one was Pat Williams, and the other one is Jerry Ball. And, and those are the guys that they can help, like Linval did, set a tone for that defensive line to let those other guys, especially linebackers, make those kind of plays that we're expecting in the backfield. And, and, and hopefully, you know, a guy like Michael comes in. He's walking into a room with Andre Patterson, who everyone knows his pedigree at this point. What do you expect to see from somebody like a Michael Pierce walking into that locker room? What I love is that he's, he's come from a team in, in Baltimore where they have – an attitude about themselves and a reputation for defense. You love that part. You want him to bring that accountability, um, that nastiness, that kind of that kind of attitude for on defense to the Vikings. You know, you need a guy that's going to talk a little bit um, with the specialization of the defensive line, which is what we're seeing. And you, by that, I mean you're seeing almost an entirely different group on third down. You're seeing defensive ends. We saw it against you know the the, the 49ers did it. Uh, we did it against New Orleans, where you had four defensive ends basically rushing the passer on third downs. You know, so he's not going to be a three-down player. He's going to be a spot player. He's going to, you know, so at at his height and weight, yeah, you can expect him to to be fresh and and to stay fresh because he's going to need to be. You don't you don't expect a guy that size to be able to play. 60 70 snaps a game he's not going to need to you need him for 20 you know 20 30 that's what you need him for and i think he'll fulfill that role so i hope he does bring kind of a level of nastiness to this defense you know um people i've spoken with whom i've known for many years that know of him in baltimore uh they love his character and they love his work ethic and those are the two things that will determine the long-term success of a player and whether or not he's going to get better as he ages, his work ethic and his character. Uh, you know what his physical stats are, high weight speed, you can see it on film. Uh, but knowing that he's a hard-working guy and he's a character guy, that makes you feel more comfortable with him continuing to improve and even becoming a better player. And you put him with a guy like Andre Patterson. The technique we play at nose is a little different. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of technique work that he's going to need to, you know, accomplish and 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 learn. Uh, but if again, hardworking, smart, that kind of guy, yeah, he won't he won't have a problem picking it up because he has all the talent in the world. Yeah, and you're not going to worry about a guy who was a undrafted rookie who made that roster and as a starter from a school, Samford. The NFL proving ground of Samford is not necessarily something you hear from all these other kind of schools. I think a guy like Michael Pierce is going to benefit coming in at the age that he's at, where hopefully he's just starting to hit his prime and be able to to walk into a room full of guys who have have developed not only under Andre but under under Zim as well. And I think you know it's a good option. You're right, and and the thing too is you look at guys like John Randall, right? You look yeah. 
I played with John Randall and Randall McDaniel. They couldn't have been more opposite in how they got into the league. Randall McDaniel was a first round pick. You know, he didn't start, I think, the first three or two or three, four games of his career and then went on the field and never came off. A guy who's an undrafted player, a guy like Adam Thielen, a guy like John Randall, you know, that become very good NFL players, they've got they got there for a particular reason. Not because they're like Laquan Treadwell and had a ton of money invested in them and we they were waiting for them. They had to fight every single day every single minute they had to fight to even get a tryout they had to fight to get on the field to get a snap in practice then once they got on the field they had to fight to get a starting role they don't give up that fight that's what they know that's their life right that's their experience in the nfl so you love a guy like that i just love those kinds of guys those kinds of stories because they'll never take for granted they'll never have that they always have an attitude of what you know what can i do not well here i am Right. They're going to he's going to come in here and instill that never take a minute of this for granted attitude with everybody else. And that is what guys like Spielman and Zimmer are absolutely looking for whenever they try to recognize these guys, especially coming up in the draft. They're like, I want football guys. I want guys that have passion, that care and that this is what they want to do. And I think, you know, Michael Pierce at this point sounds like personifies what they're looking for. All right, Pete. Let's uh, let's jump a little bit here and look at not only the Vikings, but what happened in the rest of the NFL. There's a lot of high profile moves. Um, I'm going to kind of jump in since there's a lot of stuff that's already been talked about. I'm going to jump in here with a little rapid fire for you. So I'm going to hit you with three questions and uh, see what your thoughts are. Okay. All right. First up, we're going to talk about the quarterback musical chairs throughout the league with a lot of high profile names. So we got Tom Brady going to Tampa. Teddy Bridgewater going to Carolina, Philip Rivers going to Indy, Nick Foles going to Chicago, Marcus Mariota heading to Las Vegas, and Drew Brees heading back to New Orleans. So of all of those names and all of those players that have moved to these new teams or in Brees' case come back for one more stint, who has the most pressure on them at this point? Wow. Um, you know, I, I think I think Teddy has a lot of pressure on him. Um you know, he, he's he's fought back from the injury, which is amazing. But now he's he's become the guy. Right. He this is his team. Um, and so I think this is put up or shut up time for Teddy. You know, he bounced around a little bit, got some opportunities, did a really good job when he was called to fill in for Drew Brees when he had the hand injury. Uh, but now he's getting the opportunity. And so for Teddy, it's can he do this? Can his knee and everything else hold up throughout an entire season? So this is, a, I think, a make it or break it year for Teddy, not necessarily because of a, a lack of performance, but just a situation where can he perform can he carry a team can he play uh for a 16 plus game type season you know for him if he stays healthy and plays well he's going to be a quarterback in this league a long time so i think for all those reasons teddy has the most at risk or the most to lose and I think on top of that, he's also in a situation where he's going to a city where they've had a winner and a beloved quarterback in Cam Newton that he's going to be taking over. So not only is are there going to be people questioning him walking in the door and then moving on from Cam, but just in general, every time he misses a pass, there's going to be a chunk of people that are going to say, well, Cam would have made that throw, right? And so it's he there, there's an extra level, I think, for him that he's going to have to deal with here uh, in the very near future. And I think that can also be a positive for him because I don't think the Panthers are going to be used to that 
his type of personality, right? His, the way, way he goes about his business. Um, I think that that's going to be refreshing to a lot of the players on the team and hopefully a lot of the fans and media as well. Because, you know, Teddy brings that, a, a level of professionalism I, I don't think that they always had there, right? You know, you had a superstar, you had Cam Newton, you had a big name. You know, Teddy's more of an under-the-radar type guy, so hopefully that'll resonate. All right, so on the flip side of that, who at this point is kind of free-rolling? Who has the least amount of pressure on them going into their brand-new team? I think Nick Foles is the guy that has nothing to lose. He's bounced around a little bit, and he's he's got to prove himself, but... I think they brought him in to light a fire under the guy in front of him in Mitch Trubisky. Having a chance to see a lot of the Bears this year, they need to worry more about who's in front of their quarterback than who their quarterback is. I think you know they, by necessity, had to be almost a spread-out type team, and, and I don't think it, it necessarily falls into what Trubisky does well. Their guard position is, is a bit of a disaster. Leno is a, is a solid tackle. Um but prone to penalties and things like that. So I don't think just bringing in a Nick Foles is going to change their outlook, but Foles is there to make sure the money invested in the guy in front of him pays off. So I think, you know, Foles is, is, is in the least amount of pressure because he's not the guy yet, but for him, it's kind of like he was in Philly. Hey, someone goes down. I got nothing to lose. I can go in there and play loose and, you know, and play the way that I do. And we all know he got a ring out of it. So at this point, for at least his legacy-wise, Foles is in a pretty comfortable position. And that and that matters, you know, so much in this league, you know, to say that he won a Super Bowl at quarterback. That keeps you around, and it'll probably keep Nick Foles around for quite some time. Still, regardless of how this goes, this experiment goes in Chicago. So Nick Foles, yeah, I think Nick Foles is in a he's in a pretty good spot. All right, round two. Which NFL trade surprised you the most here at the front end of free agency? So the DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and a swapping uh, chunk of picks between both teams. The Niners sending D-tackle DeForest Buckner to Indy for a first-round pick. Or the Lions sending Darius Slay to the Eagles for a third and a fifth-round pick. Which trade surprised you the most? The you know the Houston situation was, was interesting. Um and I don't necessarily think that, uh, you know, did they get an equitable amount of DeAndre Hopkins? I think up until we saw him in the playoff games, the, you know, the rest of the country, you know, he's kind of under the radar. You know, he has he wears and has the biggest gloves of any receiver for sure in the NFL, like a five XL. I mean, he's a bit of a physical freak. for us to get what we got, obviously, for digs. You look at their trade, it's it's. Um, it, it, it's you know that that one's a bit of a head scratcher, but they needed to make a move and they needed the organization needed to do something and they did. So kudos to them and hopefully it works out. I think Detroit's going to lose a lot with Darius Slay being gone, um, which you know showed in in the other moves that they've made. Darius Slay is a you know is a very very good defensive back and he's been consistent and that's one of the things with the Lions in general is just people staying healthy and being consistent. Um, he was a, the backbone of a of a defensive backfield that two years ago produced a ton of turnovers and last year he was really the guy their shutdown guy, right? You play the Detroit Lions, it's whoever's not lined up against Slay is going to get all the you know get all the passes to him. So sure. uh, for Detroit to replace that, I mean that's that's another. Yeah, it's it's always good to see teams in your division do things and not do things. Um, you know, I think Detroit lost a very good player 
when Darius Slay decided to go. So piggybacking off of that point right there, I think we're going to jump in really quickly to what was the most significant move by an NFC North opponent. So given Slay moving on, the Lions tried to fill him back in with a Desmond Trufant coming from Atlanta. You had the Packers lose to tackle Brian Balaga to the Chargers, or you had the Chicago Bears getting Cowboy D-tackle Robert Quinn. Which team of our opponents had the biggest significant move here? I mean, yeah, I think I'll stay with with Detroit losing Darius Slay as big. I mean, for the Packers to lose Balaga, a good solid player for them. The thing with Green Bay and that offensive line, playing offensive line for the Packers is different than almost anywhere else in the league because of the quarterback, because of Aaron Rodgers, because of his mobility, and not just his mobility, but his ability to you know create explosive plays off of rolling out. I mean, teams change the way they rush the passer against Green Bay because of Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. losing Balaga, I think, I think you can find uh, more guys. It's it's a little bit easier for them, I think, to replace that because they're not. It's not a traditional stay in the pocket type you know, offensive tackle, uh, you know, the bears, they've shored up their defensive line their you know, the interior, their defensive line, their offensive line, I thought was their Achilles heel last year. So they need, if any team needs to make moves and sign some guards and get that offensive line shored up, it's the Chicago bears and they'll continue to struggle with whomever they put a quarterback until they get that done. Um, again, I think again, sticking with Darius Slay, I just think he was, the one shining spot on that Detroit Lion defense. Um, he was the one guy that you knew week in and week out you were going to have to go away from and stay away from. Yeah, uh, so for Detroit to lose that kind of consistency, um, yeah, that's 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 big. Can Trufant do that and bring that to him? You know, we'll see. But Slay is a, is a very very good football player. I think it's got to be hard for Lions fans too. I mean, they're always kind of grasping at something to focus on and say, we've got this positive thing happen. And like we were just talking about earlier, the idea of having consistency with with top tier talent that are your anchors on these different positions, it's got to be a little bit of a head scratcher for the fans just to say like, what are we, what are we doing here? You know, who knows what behind the scenes was being said and what, what was happening between the coaches and the players. Right. And it doesn't help to lose your quarterback for eight weeks either. Right. You know, a guy who's been unbelievably consistent to to lose that. So, yeah, I mean, if you're a Detroit fan, you're looking at it saying, are we the Patriots version 2.0 from a personnel standpoint, right? With the way this offseason has gone, I see them in Chicago really with the biggest number of challenges um, that they have to overcome, you know, and figure out. And, um, you know, Detroit, I think is closer than Chicago is right now, but they need, like you said, yeah, they need some, they need some bodies in that back end. And it just seems like they get bit by that injury bug a lot more than normal teams. So, you know, we'll see. All right, Pete, we really appreciate you here with us and helping us out here. I guess I want to give you the ability to do a little bit of uh, Pete's parting words. Do you want to help give the fans a reason why their favorite team's going to be all right? You know, given everything that's been going on, everyone's looking for something to point at for, for a piece of hope. Give us a reason why the fans should be encouraged by what's happening with their favorite team at this point. Okay, you look at this season. Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook were a huge part of the success on offense. And all those pieces are intact. And if they're not intact, they're going to be up, you know, upgraded and consistency with the offensive coaching staff. I think those those points right there to me point to an offense that this year will be as good, if not better, than it was the year before. Losing digs, I think the only thing we really lost was an explosive deep threat 
You know, you saw teams like Kansas City get a Debo Samuel or someone along those lines, a uh, multifaceted type player that can create things. I mean, I think that's what this offense needs, and that's all this offense needs to be one of the best in the NFL. Defensively, you're losing players and you're losing good players, but at a position that we've been known to create and find and develop. Right. We haven't gone. We haven't had to go on the free agent market to pull in and develop and find good defensive backs. So if there is a position on this team that, uh, you know, that Zimmer and Spielman can figure out, I think that's a defensive backfield. So uh, depth at D line is always a concern. But I'll tell you what, the options this team has with 12 draft picks, you still have the ability now to either trade and bring in certain players. But you're going to be bringing in nine 10 quality rookies this year and it's up to the coaches to get them up and ready to go. But you, you know, we're not rookie. We're not young at key spots like quarterback or at safety. Cause you're still going to have a Harrison Smith, maybe an Anthony Harris still. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think all those things together really point to another successful season for the Minnesota Vikings. Pete, thank you again for everything. We appreciate your time and uh, we hope everybody in your life and around you and, everybody's being safe and, and things are, are going all right. And, and, you know, we'll definitely jump in with you here again in the near future, but thank you again for all your time. And, and if anything uh, crazy comes out, we'll put out the bat signal and make sure we can uh, grab Pete Bursich here and get us some more info. So thank you again for everything. All right. Take care, Jay. Thank you for having me on and everyone out there. Stay safe, baby.